Today is May 5th of 2023. It is Cinco de Mayo. And I know that lots of people have uh, drink concoctions they use just special for this particular holiday. My name is Larry Lannon. I am a volunteer with Chapter 49, a retiree. Chapter 49 represents most IRS employees in Indiana. We very uh, much welcome you. Thank you for uh, giving a little of your time to watch and or listen to this podcast. And uh, we welcome back uh, Duncan Giles, our chapter president, which has some late-breaking news. But we'll get into that in a moment. Welcome back. Uh, thanks, Larry. It's always great to be here. And I, I, one thing I'll say quickly is that we have two things coming up. We're recording this again on May 5th. Many people listen afterwards. But... We're uh, this weekend have two very important events. Churchill Downs is hosting the Kentucky Derby, so our uh, we we wish well our people in Louisville and in the state of Kentucky, our NTU uh, people down there. I was asking my wife. I said, "Okay, Jane, are you getting up at five a.m. on Saturday?" And she looks at me like, "Why would I want to do that?" Because she's a big fan of the royal family. I said, "Well, don't you want to watch the king's coronation?" She thought for a moment and said, I guess I'll watch it in progress. So uh, she, she likes the royal family, but not that much to get up at 5 a.m. to see the coronation of the king. So let's get yeah, into it. Kim, Kim and I had to decline our invitations <laughs> just because of the time difference. Yeah, I think we've uh, we've, we've kind of t- milked that joke for all it's worth. So. <laughs> You have uh, we we are kind of recording later in the day on Friday than we normally do because uh, you were scheduled to have a uh, discussion with uh, the commissioner Danny Werfel along with uh, the IRS commissioner along with several other chapter presidents for NTEU. It's certainly an outreach the commissioner is making to the union and its its uh, officials. So I'm just going to take uh, let you uh, you know take the floor. Tell us uh, what happened uh, in that conference call. Yeah, literally, I this was a conference call that was set up uh, by our national NTU president, Tony Reardon, and national VP, Doreen Greenwald, who were both on the call as well, uh, with Commissioner Werfel. And this was all the chapter presidents who represent call sites. Of course, we represent the other agent, uh, other parts of the agency as well, but Specifically, this grouping was for the call sites. Um, Before I get to some of my notes from the call for everyone, I just want to give my impressions. Um, I've dealt with a lot of IRS commissioners. I've met most of them in person since Charles Rosati. And I've got to tell you, folks, I was about as impressed with Danny Werfel as I could be. Um, He listened he, he, you know, you can always tell when someone is giving you the, uh, the fake empathy. And there was no fake empathy here. He understands the issues of employees. As he said, he goes, I used to be a federal employee. I understand this. Um, so we were um, having a great deal of discussion on that. You know, he's, he wants to improve the culture of the IRS yeah, and here's some of my notes. Um, the first call that he made when he was nominated uh, by the president to be commissioner of the IRS, and you know, once it was publicized, his first phone call was to Tony Reardon. His very first one. 
because he wants to build that relationship. He understands how important it is for NTU to be able to talk to management, work with management, things of that nature. So I thought that was very interesting. Um, he said he's inward looking. And his explanation is, is for inward looking, he said, I've dealt with executives who are inward looking or outward looking. Outward looking is how do we look in the press? How do we look to Congress? How do we look to the American people? You know, that sort of thing. Inward looking is how can I make it a better place? How can I leave this better? And he truly seems to want to do that. And I'm at this point, I'm taking him at his word. Um, you know, we've been in a, uh, a chapter of, he says, a long, long chapter of cutting, of being frugal, of not being able to hire. We're now entering into a chapter of investment. One of the things that I was the, you know, being me, being me, I was the first one to raise my hand to ask a question. And I basically wanted him to address two things. One is I wanted him to know that when there's, you know, a great deal of hiring for the people who are public facing, whether it be revenue officers, revenue agents, CSRs, folks in TAS, things of that nature, we also need to hire the great support people, the clericals, the IT folks, everybody who makes things run. And he totally understood that and gets it. And I can tell you folks out there, most of the commissioners that I've dealt with have not gotten that. They have not understood it. The other thing that I wanted to emphasize, and a great deal of my uh, brethren that were on the call also emphasized this, was better training for managers. Because there are a lot of managers. We have a lot of great managers and executives in the IRS. But we also have a lot that don't know how to communicate, that don't know how to listen properly to their employees. Larry, you were a great example of a manager who listened and who could deal with issues. But we have so many that don't, and we either need to give them more training, make it part of their commitments so they're held to this standard, or to, um, you know, basically do something like a 360 assessment where people in the group can rate their manager on what they need to improve upon. And the commissioner seemed to understand exactly that, and he wants a atmosphere of inclusion, not beating up on people. So he was very favorably inclined to do a lot of those things. Now, do you want me to stop for a second so you can jump in and ask any clarifying questions? Well, the thing I would say is that uh, I have to tell you one thing, and I'll, I've <clears> said this before and, and I'll say it again. It was very kind of you to make those comments, but when I was a manager, one of the jobs that I had was we took it an area, which is several states, right? So every new manager of taxpayer assistance centers would come um, would come bef through Indianapolis at that time to take a certain part of their training. And I was supposed to spend 30 minutes to an hour to explain to these new managers how to give your employee bad news. Sometimes you're going to have to give people bad news. How do you do it? How do you deliver that bad news? And after spending 10 to 15 minutes with each of them, I could tell you which ones were going to be successful and which ones were going to wash out pretty quickly. Um, I do think that training for managers is important, but I'll tell you something else I hope that the commissioner does is provide the right kind of support 
to those people who are managing the managers. There are some very good ones. I had a very good territory manager. If I hadn't had her, I don't know what would have happened when I first came on. Um, she was great. Sally Wright was terrific with me. Uh, she was tough on me, but I learned a lot from her, and she was always fair with me, and that's all I ever asked for. Uh, but I think that there's a, a weak link there in that territory manager, the manager above the manager. Different you know, parts of the service are set up different ways in my particular uh, uh, area of the world in, in IRS, I, I had that. So I would hope that you know, training is a part of it, but I certainly hope that the people above those frontline managers are providing the support and the guidance that, that's needed. Sometimes that's just not there. So that's my comment. And I think that was one of the things that he said was he wants this to be from the top down so they know they have that support. So I think he realizes things that you just mentioned are very important. That's good to hear. Thank you. Uh, as a matter of fact, one of the things that he said was managers and executives uh, need to start thinking about things from the point of view of an employee, which I found to be very interesting um, because, you know, we oftentimes do not see that. He wants to shift the culture from me to we. Now, we've heard this type of thing before. You know, but I think he really, you know, he really wants to push for this. And he's got a five-year mandate to be able to do it. He's in this job for five years. So he's been approved by Congress. Unless he wants to leave, he doesn't want to do that. Something I thought was outstanding, the commissioner is very concerned about mental health. He's a huge believer in mental health. He thinks that COVID has taken a lot of its toll. He knows that our jobs are stressful. And that, um, you know, that mental health plays a part in it. And, you know, you know, Larry, you and I have talked about this many times before. We're big believers in mental health. My daughter is a mental health uh, counselor. And, you know, that's I find that an extremely important job. So the more light that can be shined on, you know, helping people's mental health and doing more in the job to make it easier on your mental health, I think is is just great. Um, I I do think that uh, things have changed. I think more people have members of their family or people they know well who have had mental health challenges. I think about, I I saw a discussion on TV today. We went from 1972 where a senator named Tom Eagleton was was running uh, as vice president was forced out because he had had some mental health treatments and and that was considered taboo at the time. Fast forward to today, John Fetterman, who is a senator, whatever you think of his politics, uh, you know, he publicly went in for mental health treatment because he knew he needed it. Uh, I think that uh, there are changing attitudes. Very good to hear the man, the uh, commissioner say that. And there is support at IRS for this that did not exist when I first entered the service. Yeah, and it's, I, you know, once you hear someone at that level express that kind of support for that, because folks, let me tell you, Mental health is as important as physical health, and you need to make sure that you take care of both because we want everybody that watches and listens to this podcast to be around for a very long time. So that's it's hugely important to us. Um, training was a huge, huge issue. Training for employees, we want to make sure that frontline employees, especially new employees, get proper training. Uh, he was hearing a lot from chapter presidents talking about you know, these new employees get their six weeks of training thrown on the phones, and then it's sort of sink or swim. And they need more help than that. 
And he understood that he's, you know, one of the big things that he's uh, looking at is training. And he said he's doing a, you know, having a lot of meeting. He's been in the job eight weeks. So, you know, we can't, you know, it, this ship is going to take a while to turn away from the iceberg. The Titanic's going to take a while to turn away. So we've got to give him a little bit of time. But he understood from everybody the uh, the emphasis on training. The need to meaningfully recognize milestones. Uh, the uh, chapter president in St. Louis, Pam Sturm, had just gotten a 25-year uh, plaque and uh, was basically, it was commissioner's award or 25-year plaque, something like that. And it was just left at her desk. And, you know, she, you know, one of the things that she mentioned and is absolutely true is we need to meaningfully recognize these types of milestones. You know, it doesn't have to be a huge celebration, but somebody should appreciate, you know, what's going on. You know, when I got my, uh, you know, Thanks for celebrating, you know, 28 years earlier this year, I sent something to the uh, chief of human capital office at the time, basically saying, Kevin, are you really glad I've been here that long? <clears throat> Just because it's so impersonal type thing. And, you know, we had a good back and forth on that. So, you know, it's something that, again, it's how do we communicate? How do we appreciate the employees that are out there? And I think he understands how hugely important that is. And lastly, one of the things that really touched all of us was him talking about, um, you know, why did he come back here? People said, why did you come back to the government? Because, you know, he goes, I felt I could do some good. And he goes, and it's for things like this. He goes, this is a priceless type of engagement. He goes, I can get executive summaries all day long. But hearing from chapter presence, hearing from people on the front lines about what the issues are and what's going on are just priceless to me. And I think this can help us all make a difference with the organization. And to hear that type of buy-in from a commissioner, and I've heard him, you know, some of them have said stuff like that and not meant it. This guy means it. I truly believe he means it. And so I was, I was just very appreciative of him having this type of meeting and he's going to be having others with more chapter presidents. Um, but I was very appreciative of him having this type of meeting to listen to the concerns and, and everybody got their say. Uh, everybody was able that raised their hand, was able to say what they wanted to say. And it was open and Frank and some of it was going to be painful because we're, you know, chapter presidents like myself are not shy. We will call the baby ugly if it's ugly. And, you know, we all were very nice, every one of us. And I was so proud of the other chapter presidents on the call for being very professional. You know, we're all passionate about wanting to do things for federal employees that we represent. But we all did it in a respectful manner. That's how it was taken. And we hope that a lot of good can come from conversations like this with the commissioner, as well as, you know, people like Tony and Doreen advocating on our behalf. Well, having a respectful back and forth is is important. Do you think this uh, commissioner, uh, excuse me, <clears throat> Commissioner Werfel, some commissioners like to stay in D.C. and hang out in their office most of the time. Others like to get out and travel. Did he indicate whether he would get out in the field and talk to people? Uh, I don't know if he'll get out and travel more, but one of the comments he made was, the longer you spend in D.C., the flatter the earth becomes, um, which I thought was awesome. Because, you know, he understands if you're in D.C., you're going to get 
the D.C. view. And he doesn't need the D.C. view. He needs the view from Indianapolis, Indiana, San Diego, California, you know, St. Louis, Missouri. He needs it from all parts of the country. So I think that he is going to be, if he's not traveling more, which I do believe he will, I think he's going to be making sure that he gets input from the lower levels to find out what's going on really at the grassroots so I do want to tell people we've actually I was kind of bringing this up as a joke that uh, you know you let's invite uh, Commissioner Werfel on the podcast and all this we've <clears> never <throat> we've never had a commissioner or anything close to that we had one management official that came on our podcast and I think he actually didn't follow orders when he did that <laughs> so I just want everyone to know that I have been informed that Duncan Giles has officially invited the commissioner to be on this podcast for yeah, what it's he, worth. I, I was all for that. And if he wants to come on um, to have a discussion on the issues and, you know, he, I'm sure that, you know, part of his staff will probably freak out, but I, I don't know. I think there's a 50, 50 chance that he very well might just because of the fact that he can see that we're just trying to get, you know, what's going on, what's happening and that he can reach and talk to the people. And I think, the more people he's able to talk to employee-wise, I think the better. And I, I would really hope that he takes us up on the invitation. Well, we treat our guests respectfully wherever they may come from. And, uh, you know, we're not going to be confrontational. We're just trying to draw people out and, and have a discussion. So if he wants to do that, fine. If not, uh, he may farm this out to somebody else. But uh, we'll take uh, whatever uh, whatever uh, his his office may uh, yeah. may wish to do yeah. on that. Any final we, we treat. Go ahead, we sorry. treat our guests respectfully, even if they don't treat us or myself respectfully. Well, Lauren, I can. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you know, at least, uh, we treat each other respectfully when we're doing the podcast. So that doesn't mean we always do that, right, Doug? <laughs> <laughs> It it is a joke, but it's it's uh, yeah. Lori McCann, I, I you and the way you two go back and forth, uh, we haven't ha we haven't had her on for a while. We're, she's kind of overdue to to be a part of this. Yeah, she's she's been working very hard on her specific issues. Uh, she is one like like Tony, like Doreen. Uh, you know, Lori's always Ken Moffat, Dan Casper, always have an open invitation to be on our podcast. Well, let's. Uh, I, we're kind of going to be pressed for time here because we wanted to spend most of our half hour on your discussion with the commissioner, uh, you and the other chapter presidents. So we're going to have to kind of go through this uh, <clears throat> quickly if you want to do kind of a quick uh, kind of a one issue after another, just kind of lightning quick, round. <laughs> quick, yeah, lightning rounds another way. Quick hits, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we we do had we did have a, an important. Uh, decision come down. Actually, the World Health Organization, the day we record this, uh, went out with an announcement that, they, in their view, this is no longer a, an emergency health-wise for COVID. So now the COVID emergency in America, even before that was lifted, what does that mean for people who have been mostly working at home up to now? Yeah, that's going to be the interesting thing. We're waiting for the executive order to come out on the exact wording of this, but I'm in the this is strictly speaking for Duncan Giles, not speaking for National NTU or any other chapter presence. I'm very possibly expecting that they, people who are now on a reasonable accommodation uh, at home, not to have to come in at all due to COVID, will now be expected to come in at least twice a pay period. I don't know when that will occur. And again, that's just my educated guess. 
but I'm betting that that will be the biggest impact that we'll see from this. So we'll know more as soon as the executive order comes out on that. You and I have talked about the employee assistance program many times. As I said, it didn't exist when I first came to IRS, but it came a few years later. What I always remember about that is that the management thought, well, you know, we'll put this program in place. Private sector is doing it. Some other agencies have done it. A few people may need it. And when the numbers came in, they were horrified. Large numbers of IRS employees were taking advantage of this. Excuse me. But we think of EAP, we think of mental health, we think of some other issues that we may need, maybe a some kind of uh, some, some kind of treatment uh, when it comes to emotional issues. But EAP is much more. T- tell us a little bit about EAP that some employees may not know about. Yeah, that's the thing, because when people think of EAP, they immediately go to, okay, someone that can help me with my mental health, which is great, which they can do. But EAP can also give you consultation on financial advice um, if you need legal advice. You can get a free 30-minute um, you know, meeting with an attorney and then a discounted rate. So there are many different things that EAP has. It's not just mental health, like I said, which is awesome by itself, but many other things that employees can avail themselves on if they have questions about a will, if they have questions about you know, a divorce, if they have questions about, okay, what should I, you know, how should I do this? Financial-wise, with my TSP, what should I be doing? They have they have people that can help with all these types of things. So if if you have a question, take a look at what uh, what the EAP offers, and if you if it's something that interests you or you need it, by all means, avail yourself of it because that's what it's there for. One last item here, quickly. Uh, this came out today, the day we're recording this on on May the fifth that there's, there was an edict that came down last year about removable storage and access to that. And I won't get into all the details. It basically uh, limited people who had work to do to get into certain devices. And there was a security concern, which you understand that. But it, this was a wide-ranging edict to the point where some employees in certain parts of the service could not do their work because they could not get access to some of the, the information of some of these devices to get their work done. Uh, NTU filed a grievance. The management said, okay, we'll negotiate over it. And now we've just had the announcement uh, that uh, an agreement has been reached. What do we know about this, Duncan? Yeah, common sense and sanity actually prevailed here, which is always a good thing. You know, when, you know, basically IT heard thumb drive, oh, you can't put a thumb drive into our uh, into our system because, you know, the entire thing may freeze right up or, you know, we may have a super... Uh, you know, super bug in there. And basically the problem is, is for TCOs and especially RAs out there, everybody does their work. The POAs, accountants, businesses do their work and give it on thumb drives. They do it on computers. So you need a thumb drive to put in to see what you've got. If you don't have that, you're having to print out, you know, force of paper. So what we said was, you know, they need to be able to do this. And so if you've got a thumb drive that is read only, you're going to be able to um, you're going to be able to use that with your government computer. You're not going to need executive level permission. Now, if it's if it's something that you're going to want to read and edit, uh, read and write is what they call it, then you are going to need that higher level permission. 
but for something that's going to be read only, so it wouldn't interfere with any system, you should be able to do that, which should make it a lot better and easier for those TCOs and especially RAs. So at least people can do their work now. That's the important thing. And uh, that was preventing yeah, without, people without from killing printers. Yeah, without having to, yeah, to destroy a few forests in the meantime. Okay, Duncan, your final comment for the podcast. My final comment tonight is, is basically work-life balance. I love my job. I love what I do. You know, and I, I love helping employees, representing employees, whether it's, you know, here in Indiana or when I'm working on national stuff. But you've got to have that work-life balance. And that's something that we preach to managers all the time. You know, I, I love the job, but I would much rather be doing something with my partner, Kim, who's absolutely wonderful and whose company I treasure. So, you know, don't let the job become your life. Don't let it, you know become the sole thing of you. You've got other things out there for you. Do the things that you enjoy. Work when you should be working, but enjoy life while you can. Yeah, don't uh, work yourself to death. And I apologize. Uh, there's We have a new comp. I'm, li- I'm living in a, in a condo community, and uh, we have people mowing the lawn, and we have a new contractor, and all of a sudden we're having it done on Fridays. That didn't used to happen, so you may hear a mower in the background. I apologize for that. Nothing I can do about it. But I will say this. My final comment has to do with uh, – Artificial intelligence. We've talked about this, Duncan, how the IRS has been experimenting with chatbots to answer certain questions people come up with online particularly. However, there's a man by the name of Jeffrey Hinton. Why should you know this name? This man for the last 10 years has worked with Google. He has overseen their entire artificial intelligence operation. He's been called the godfather of AI by people in the tech industry. He recently resigned from Google. Now, he's not critical of Google. He thinks Google is not doing a bad job, but he thinks the industry overall is doing some very dangerous things. He calls them scary. Um, and this is a quote from him about what artificial intelligence can do. He said, right now... Artificial intelligence programs are not more intelligent than us, as far as I can tell, but I think they may soon be. His concern about this is there are bad actors out there that can manipulate artificial intelligence, manipulate elections, um, instigate violence through artificial intelligence. And then I saw he, he spoke to a, a tech conference just a couple of days ago. I'm quoting an Associated Press story there where he was asked about the, what's the worst thing that could happen with artificial intelligence. He said, well, humans could become obsolete. So the, the, the intelligence may allow us to continue as long as we have to run the power plants. But when they figure that out, we may not even be needed. I mean, he says that artificial intelligence is very dangerous, that not just the United States, but the world should be concerned about this because of its possible misuse in the future. So it will affect government agencies, will affect everything we do. And there's at least one man who's uh, considered one of the world's experts in this said, uh, we need to be careful about it. Skynet. I don't want to scare people, but, you know, we do need to be aware. That was that Skynet. <laughs> we, explain what you – not everybody's going to understand that reference, Duncan. Uh, that's the company that uh, basically started Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> and they're, 
I can go back to the early 70s. There was a movie about an artificial intelligence that was like running the world. I mean, you can go far back as that when we didn't even really expect anything like this to happen and boom, there it is. So I think we just um, we just have to be careful and understand the potential downside. I mean, you know, any any uh, anything like artificial intelligence can create some fantastic good. But as you and I both know, the bad actors will find a way to use it for evil, and that is what the world needs to be concerned about. Well, we never have to be concerned about Duncan Giles. He had great information for us today. We thank him for joining us and filling us in on his dis- uh, discussion with the commissioner. And I think the uh, the lawnmower is even closer to my microphone than it was before, so I hope that doesn't distract too many people. We thank you for watching and listening our podcast. We try to keep it weekly. We don't make it every week, but we have here in the last few weeks. And uh, we know your time is valuable, and we appreciate the fact that you've not only listened to the podcast, you've listened to the very end or watched it to the very end, and uh, we certainly do appreciate that. Uh, if you have any comments, go send an email, nteu49 at aol.com. Duncan Giles will get that email, and if you want uh, updates on when we have new podcasts, he can send you links to that. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind. Be kind.